You know, Jolon, yeah. it's days and episodes like this. I'm so glad that we haven't got our emergency goalie, Stephen Edwards, on the podcast today. You are not kidding. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, I'm in a great mood because I've just finished watching uh, the Colorado game. I'm in a great mood for several reasons. First of all, the game itself. And yeah, we'll come on to that a little bit later. And secondly, could I watch it properly? No, I couldn't. I'll talk more about that later as well. Yeah, well, as you can tell, we're feeling in a rather chipper mood, <laughs> but uh, we hope it'll improve somewhat over this episode because uh, we've got some juicy talking points to get into. Yeah, let's start with a nice upbeat topic, shall we, to start with. Is it ever okay to boo a player? Yep, that's what we're going to start with. Um, Jake Gardner was booed in the Leafs game last night. We'll come on to talk about that uh, and whether that's something that you feel is right in your home arena. And how much is too much when it comes to a goalie? As uh, Bobrovsky's contract comes up to an end the end of this season, he's certainly raised a few eyebrows this week after that incident, which no one knows. Was it a suspension? Was it not a suspension? What's happening behind the scenes there? And as the rumours seem to think that he wants $10 million for his next contract, that would put him up there with Carey Price. Is he worth it? And should goalies really ever get contracts that much? Also, bench temper tantrums. Are they ever okay? This is after Nathan McKinnon had a go at his coach on the bench and hilariously fell off the bench as well, which I think is one of the reasons why we're all talking about this because it was hilarious. But there is a serious side to it. Do you? Is it right to show dissent to your coach in such a public forum? And when you know the TV cameras are going to be on you, this happened in the Calgary game uh, against the Avalanche last week. Well, we need a laugh occasionally, don't we? So yeah. we enjoyed him falling off the bench. We've got to hold on to that moment because it's not great time to be a Leafs fan, perhaps this week. And also, we're going to be talking about sharks. That's all coming up on another episode of NHL Fans from Afar. <laughs> If you are a new uh, podcast uh, listener to us, welcome, because we know uh, a few of you have said hello to us on our Twitter page, which is at NHL fans from afar. Uh, lovely to interact with you. And if this is the first time that you're listening, then do make sure that you hit subscribe or you follow us, whether you're listening Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, however it is, tell a friend. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then we'd really appreciate if you just give us a rating and also a review as well. We hope that we spread the word so that many lone NHL fans watching in the middle of the night just like we do mm. on their own, can uh, come and join the party, so to speak. So, Joe Lon. Yes. How are you feeling? Oh, great. You know, great. I love doing this. Today, the last thing I want to talk about is hockey. After watching the, or not watching, the full Colorado-Toronto game last night, um, such, such a frustrating game. It's the Leafs at their worst because they're so good going forward and so bad at the back. Jake Gardner is really testing even the Jake Gardner fans now. Uh, Freddie Anderson coming back. Well, glad that made a big difference. There are so many things that happened in that game. I was just listening to Babcock's um, interview post-match on the way in today. And he, he, for the first time this year, actually, he was... He never he didn't call out any players, obviously, but he was definitely calling out the team on what is 
a season that is plateauing at quite a terrifying rate at the moment. Mm, well, we'll get into a bit about the Leafs uh, a little bit later on. Uh, but let's get cracking. Let's invite um, our guest uh, to come and have a chat with us. Uh, Paul Brown joins us this week. Hey, Paul, how are you doing? Hello, I'm good. You? Yeah, we're good, thanks. So you, you're a sports journalist. Yeah. Another, another one of these journalist types, hey? We're everywhere, aren't we, as lot? <laughs> Unfortunately so, yeah. What is, what is it that you do? What's the, is it kind of all sports or is there one particular sport that you cover? Yeah, ma- mainly football, really. I'd like to be able to write a little more about hockey than I do. I rarely get to write about that. But um, football and the NBA, basketball, I tend, to, I tend to concentrate on those two. Brilliant. So NHL, how on earth, how do you fit into this uh, part of the picture? How have you an NHL fan? I've just always loved it. I mean, I think it's my, my Finnish roots. I'm half Finnish. My mum comes from Finland, so I grew up watching the, the Winter Olympics and, you know, the various Finnish ice hockey teams. And that's kind of where it, it started. But the more Finns that started to move to the NHL, the more interest I, or interested I got in it. So that's, that's where it starts, I think. You've got an interesting, famous connection, though, haven't you? Who is your cousin friends with? uh he's friends with a lot of people he he's a former football player he's called Aki Realati uh, played for Crystal Palace for a while uh most people I guess probably wouldn't remember him he's remembered at Palace mostly for being the guy who wore the worst jumpers in the dressing room (laughs) but he was actually quite a good player to be fair to him and uh yeah he he knows quite a few of the the hockey guys so i've accidentally met a few and become quite tongue-tied around them embarrassingly over the years yeah no way so who's your who's your team uh the sharks yeah the sharks i think mainly because um when i was first getting into the nhl they just signed timu solani who was the big finnish star one of the greatest ever ever players and I was trying to choose a team so it seemed kind of obvious to go with that one um it didn't really work out for Solani in, in San Jose and I don't think they ever really got the best of him but I stuck with them even after he left and yeah haven't really regretted it they'll win it one day <laughs> um Paul uh, I don't know what it's like to watch a hockey team with a defense that can defend so what is it like having a team that has Brett Burns uh, Eric Carlson and all of the other heavyweights that you guys have on the D, they are a scary team to watch, certainly as an opponent watching them. I'll tell you what, it was frustrating for a while though, wasn't it? They were a, yeah. bit hit, a bit hit and miss for, for quite a long time. I think it took Carlson longer than some people expected to get used to the system and settled in there, but they're looking pretty scary now. So let's hope it, it carries on like that. Do you, think I mean, he'll, sorry, do you think he'll stay on that? Do you think he will stay? If it if it carries on being successful, the way the way he's been talking, it sounds like he quite likes where they live, and I can't see him uprooting the family again to make such a big move somewhere else. Really, so unless it's it ends up being some kind of disaster on the ice, which I can't see it, I can't see happening. I think he probably will. Yeah. See, I was um, reading somewhere that apparently, you know, when it it seemed like he needed to get that first game at Ottawa out the way. Um, because yeah. that they, you know, it was obviously not the best game in the world, but the following night they went to Montreal, didn't they? And from what I understand, the GM went into the dressing room and basically just told the team to just go and have some fun. And then that day when they played Montreal, they, they won 6-2. Uh, sorry, they didn't win 6-2, they won, didn't they? I can't remember what the score was. 
Um, so whether that kind of just let off a little pressure, I suppose, uh, because everyone's eyes were on Carlson and that particular matchup. That's right. I'm not sure it was the pressure of that game, really, but they just played so badly in that one that they, they obviously had to have some kind of team meeting afterwards and the players got together and, and that was probably a tipping point because they realised how bad they'd been. I'm not sure it was just about Carlson and, and Otto. It just happened to be a game they played really poorly in. And yeah, maybe Doug Wilson going in there might, might have helped things. But since then, they've, they've really clicked and they've rejigged the lines a little bit as well. And it just all seems to be working now. I thought when he first came in, him and him and Burns were both trying to do a bit too much. There were times when like I saw Burns try to cut inside someone, get robbed, and the team scores on a breakaway. And it, it all seemed a bit too too intricate. Like they, they weren't they weren't playing simple uh basic hockey anymore. And now now it seems to be clicking. So hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, it, it might work. There's been a lot of talk around Carlson, obviously, because he was a you know a big a big move and everyone wondered where he was going to go. And there was obviously the Ottawa story as well, which was fascinating. So he got a lot of the attention. However, Evander Kane is another big name who moved to San Jose, albeit slightly earlier and then signed that um, contract extension. How has he settled into life as a shark? Because in Buffalo, he was, you know, he was a good player on the ice, but he certainly didn't come without his problems off the ice. A lot of people have said that actually moving to somewhere like San Jose, where there is that dressing room, that positive dressing room culture and those big leaders, those Joe Thorntons, those Brett Burns, that has been the thing that's been able to let Evander Kane go on and actually just be a good hockey player, which is what he needed to be. Have the San Jose Sharks taken to him as a player, as as fans, sorry? Yeah, I think so. I actually thought you were going to say that maybe moving to San Jose where there's not very much to do was the thing that's helped him out. But um, I think they've they've taken to him. Last season, when he first came in, he was brilliant, scoring goals, providing the grit, just added real pace to the side as well. And this time, the last few weeks, he's started to pick up again. But to begin with, this season, he's not really hit the heights that he did in that first spell. So there were a few question marks for a little while, but he, he brings something that, that no one else has really got in that team. And I think they need a bit of that. Maybe those voices around him have helped. I don't know. Um, I didn't follow him too closely before he came to the Sharks, but I think he's a, a key ingredient of what they do on whatever he line, whatever line he plays. He was playing on the top line. They've moved him around a little bit. If they can find somewhere where he, where he fits and he, he stays there, I think he's going to be an important piece. What about your goalie as well? I forget who your goalie is, but they're, they're doing all right, aren't they? Haven't they finally got um, oh, a safe, safe percentage above 90? Mm. And that's kind of been a, a big thing for you guys in kind of getting some consistency. Yeah. He's had a tough year, hasn't he, Martin Jones? A bit. He was a bit of a sieve for a while, yeah. But I think <laughs> that's probably partly because the, the, the D wasn't working very well in front of him. So many old man rushes, you could you know, head in your hands at times watching them. So I don't really blame him for a lot of it, but it, it did seem to affect his confidence slightly. And I mean, they've got Aaron Dell there as a backup who's okay, but they're obviously going to need Jones if they want to go deep in, in the playoffs. And look, the Sharks have been in, in and around it for so long, they need to win it really. But getting Carlson was, was them trying to go, the, go all the way. And Jones is going to have to be good in the playoffs if, if they're to do that. I think he can do that, but he's not had a great season so far. You guys are obviously going for it at the moment. I mean, you've traded away both your next 
first round picks this year and mm. next year. Your second round pick this year is gone, although you have got Florida's, which could be a, you know, that's a good trade for you guys, considering how badly Florida have done. Um, so you're obviously going to win now. How much is that the fact that San Jose Sharks as an organization and also the fans want, um, uh, want Joe Thornton to get that cup? <laughs> I think they I think they want a cup whether Joe's on the team or not but it'd be nice wouldn't it I mean he's given so much to that franchise I can remember when people used to doubt him you know calling him soft they didn't think he had the, the bottle but he's he's really shown the last few years when you know he's not quite as quick as he used to be and he's had a lot of injuries but he's played through so much pain and given them so much in the playoffs that you just can't fault the guy. So I, I really hope they do do it. I'm not sure how much longer he's going to be around. And he probably is one of the few players in the NHL who deserves to win it. Has he still not got his beard? Uh, it comes and goes, doesn't it? Yeah, he, he, he shaved it off at the beginning of the, the season. But I think oh, yeah, Claire went into mourning for that beard. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it's, I... be- it's better than having it ripped off, isn't it? Like, the- oh, calm down. It was just an accident. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> how did you how did you feel when Patrick Marlowe left? Because Leafs fans were, I think, slow to get excited about Marlowe arriving and then we loved having him here. Now we're, you know, in typical hockey fan way, we're now looking at it as a cap problem. Whereas um, you know, Babcock and, and the other Leafs can't speak highly enough of the positive influence Patrick Marlowe has made on that young Leafs team. How was it losing someone like that at that stage in their career? Uh, it was tough. I have to admit, I don't like the Leafs because Patrick Marlowe just looks wrong in blue. <laughs> um, he's been, he's, he, was, he spent so long in, in San Jose, he just sort of became a part of the furniture and it, it was kind of weird seeing him leave. I think everyone realised that either him or, or Joe would go, and possibly both of them might might have left. That 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 was also a possibility. Um, but I still can't. I just kind of just to seeing him play somewhere else because I got so used to playing him, seeing him play for the Sharks. Um, I still think he's got a lot to offer, and um, you know. It, even in, in, in the locker room, I think he's a great presence. His experience will, will help that, that team. So I think they did pretty well to get him, to be honest. I just want to pick up on something that you talked about, you know, go, wanting to go deep into the playoffs. And, mm. and you don't have a Stanley Cup to your name yet. And that's clearly something that you want. You look at the um, Pacific standings right now and you, Calgary and Vegas, are the the gap between you three and whoever's next is like 60 points to 47 points. So the, the mm. gap's getting wider and wider really, isn't it? Um, it? This kind of rivalry that perhaps you would have used to have with LA, is that now kind of switching up with Vegas? Because I know, was it last week that you finally actually got a win in their barn for the first time since you guys have been playing in, in you know, and Vegas came to the league. Um, is that kind of how you feel? Are Vegas now your new rivals? <laughs> Everyone probably still hates uh, LA, don't they? I think, but it's just getting a bit too easy to beat them. So <laughs> it's not. Maybe, it's not really achievement beating them anymore, is it? Maybe that's not really the, the rivalry people will look at over the next few years. But I mean, those those other two teams—that's kind of a, a slightly newer thing. There isn't really the the hate there yet. There might be if it gets to playoff time and anything happens, but. Um, 
Yeah, I think Vegas are probably the, the ones that the Sharks need to be looking at as their, their biggest rivals, aren't they, wouldn't you say? Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks like that on paper. Because uh, I think there was, a, there was maybe a little bit of a, a wobble a few weeks ago where it might have been that you and Vegas weren't in the runnings. Um, mm. And then you've kind of, the league's kind of bottomed out a little bit. Um, and things have kind of gone a bit more back to normal, I suppose, as we would have expected. Um, well, I just want to also, you mentioned at the start of this that you're half finished, right? Yeah. And there are so many players who are even in the NHL currently, let alone historically. Because um, I noticed today um, that uh, The Athletic posted an article predicting um, who's going to be in Team Finland for World Cup 2020. Mm. And I mean, you know, even just the goalies, Pekka took a rask. I mean, yeah. who, who wouldn't want those two in their <laughs> World Cup team, for God's sake? How closely do you follow um, stuff on an international scale and what's happening in terms of ice hockey in Finland? Quite a lot. I, I love it. I mean, I, I can't claim to, to follow it too much in Finland, but I always follow the, the major tournaments, which I guess a lot of um, NHL fans might not. So I got to know a lot of, the, a lot of these Finnish players who are playing in the NHL through uh, Team Finland and what they did in, in World Cups and things. So it's been quite exciting seeing some of them come over and, and really hit the ground, the ground running. There's, there are so many that have done really well, even, even this season. I, I like Sebastian Aho, for instance, I think he's brilliant. Um, just a really tricky little player. I think he's got a great career ahead of him. And who who can't like Patrick Lyony? I mean, the guy's just got an unstoppable shot. Yeah, and we obviously like Kasperi Kapanen um, in the least because he's just he's everything that the league is kind of moving towards at the moment. Speed, but also, skill. but also like Kotkaniemi as well. Montreal is absolutely ripping it up for them. Alexander Barkov, another mm. one who is arguably one of the most underrated centers in the NHL. I mean, I'm actually, I'm just looking through this list and it's the first time I've really seen the kind of World yeah, Cup screenshot team it earlier. Yeah. And I'm looking through and it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, you look at that and you would think, oh, there's no reason why they can't compete with Canada and the States and people like that. I know, well, people always write them off, don't they? But they, they just always seem to find a way to meddle. Um, considering the size of the country, it's incredible how many hockey players they produce. And, you know, it's, it's, traditionally it's a country that doesn't really focus too much on, on team sports. And hockey is the one that, that they really go crazy for. But the other sports are, are all kind of in, quite individual. Formula One, ski jumping, javelin. So it's, it's amazing that a country that small can have such a big impact, really, on the world. And... I love it. I, I love Finland. So, you know, the, the longer it goes on, the better. But I have no, to say, have to go to it also, Finland also gave me the, my worst moment in hockey. Okay, right. go on. Back, back in the Olympics in, in 2006, when they had Koivu, Solani, Lehtinen, probably the best team in the tournament. And I went to a pub in London, a Swedish pub, to watch them play Sweden in the final with lots of friends of mine who all supported Sweden and they lost 3-2. Oh. I've never forgiven them for that. <laughs> <laughs> Heartbreaking. That's what we go through. That's what we go through. <laughs> I had a lot to drink that night, honestly. <laughs> Do you know much about um, 
capo caco so we were we were taking the mick the other week right about his name which is so foolish of us favorite because i was just like hey we've all talked about the nhl draft and we're all talking about um jack hughes number one and then i looked down the list and i was like hey guys have you seen the name of the one who's number two and then of course he goes and uh, gets the game-winning goal um for team finland the other week um do you know much about him have you heard about him i haven't really no i have to admit no i'm i'm letting you down there but i don't know oh, he's a sharks fan they've got no first round picks what is he bothered about <laughs> see come on if you're gonna be a te- all team finland this could be your new man crush in well, years look, to come paul look the sharks have a fin i'm just i'm i'm trading on Eunice donskoy never mind never mind your, your first round draft picks <laughs> yeah, much like paul i've stopped looking at uh, draft prospects because it's just depressing to think how far down down the order we will be but then that's what you get for being a good team the Sharks have been a good team for many years yeah. it's the first time the Leafs are getting a taste of that now yep tell us about how you watch hockey Paul uh with difficulty uh try to stream it or or watch as many sort of extended games as I can on online um I sort of went through years of watching all the live games on terrestrial when it was on it was on five I think wasn't it mm, yeah it was. that's that's where I watch most of the my, my, my hockey I've got two kids and um, for a while when my, my first my, when my daughter was born my first born um, she wouldn't sleep at all at night I used to walk her around down here down in the, in the kitchen in the living room trying to sing to get her to sleep that wouldn't work if, if she ever dropped off we'd both be laid out on the sofa and I'd just watch hockey for a couple of hours so whatever was on I, I, I kind of caught up on a lot of ice hockey that way <laughs> well yeah i suppose you could have said it's the hockey that makes her sleep what a great excuse that would be hey <laughs> yeah, we never, yeah the sharks weren't great those days so maybe maybe it could have been yeah <laughs> well oh, talking of watching hockey uh, i've got a little mini rant now um it's it's getting easier to watch hockey over here you've got kind of nhl tv which is something that you can sign up for which if you're happy to kind of fork out 20 quid a month or whatever and you can watch most games on that and then there's Premier Sports as well, who, who, who feature about two games a night, roughly, um, from the NHL. Um, they are, uh, they've obviously pumped a lot of money into a lot of sports as an up-and-coming TV channel. They have right royally annoyed me this year. And the, uh, the amount of... It's frustrating when you've got a product like ice hockey, which you're trying to sell over here and you're trying to get bigger, and yet, like, three games this season... I've not been able to watch it on Premier Sports because the sound is out and the sound, the commentary is five seconds ahead of the play. Three times that has happened. It happened in the Colorado game last night and I just couldn't do it. I just had to switch it off and I've since cancelled my subscription, blah, blah, blah. Have you written an angry letter? Oh, I am about to. I haven't actually written it yet and now I've watched the Leafs lose. I'm now going to write it and it's going to be even worse. We're going to have to read their right of reply now on a a future episode to make this fair. Yeah, I mean, it's but it's so frustrating because you think if you're trying to sell a game over here and you're trying to get people in, and it could be those part-time fans, it could be you, Paul, who've got a new child and you're watching TV in the middle (laughs) of the night and you stick Premier Sports on. And, you know, that could be somebody's first induction into hockey and yet they're watching it and the sound's out or something like that. Back in those days, it wouldn't have mattered because I had to have the sound on so low. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe that's it. the only person in Britain who wouldn't be annoyed by that. (laughs) Yeah, that is pretty annoying. It's like a constant plot spoiler. It is so infuriating. (laughs) 
anyway, apart from that. <laughs> right, Paul, anything else you want to say about Sharks or should we move on to some of our talking points? Um, only that they're going to win it. Come on. You all know it's going to happen. Do you think they will? Do you, hand on heart. <laughs> do you genuinely, if, I know it's, it's hard to do as a fan because uh, you, you can't help but buy into it as a fan. But do you hand on heart think that the Sharks can win it this year? I don't know. I think they can. They definitely can. The way they, they played without Lassick and Braun in the lineup um, was kind of quite an eye-opener. But I think, I think they need decent minutes from Thornton and they have to find out where to put him in the lineup. I quite liked him as a third-line centre, but they've rejigged everything around so much now. I'm not entirely sure where he'd end up playing in the playoffs. So yeah. I think if they get decent minutes and production from, from Joe... Um, the rest of it's just all set. It's a good enough team to win it. So they definitely have a chance, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, Jordan and I did uh, <laughs> a Stanley Cup oh, no. playoff prediction. Um, you know, like when you create one of these bracket things of what you think is going to happen in the playoffs. And we thought, let's just be idiots and do it like 30 games into the season or something. Um, do you want to know where uh, where we place San Jose Sharks? Oh, go, go on then. Can I just uh, just quick caveat to this? You guys were bad at the time. <laughs> <laughs> you guys were not having a good year. Eric Carlson was not. He was like the ghost of Eric Carlson. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we put you in the playoffs. That's, Great. that's a start. Good. <laughs> good. And we put you in the first round to play Edmonton. Um, yeah. So you were two and they were three. And, uh, Beat Edmonton, yeah. No, we put. We Ed- said Edmonton we said would beat Edmonton them. would beat the Sharks. Oh, what do you people know about hockey? Well, that is not happening. <laughs> that is right. you? Edmonton, Calgary oh, are going to knock God. Edmonton out. That that was the thing. So <laughs> I can't believe we said that. It's amazing how much that has changed. I've been quite smug about my predictions in the of draft. December. What a difference a month yeah. makes. I've been quite smug because the one I can remember in my head was I called that the Vancouver Canucks would make the playoffs, and I think if. If Pettersson comes back and fires, he could actually do it. I'm, I'm glaring over all of the other ones that I may have completely messed up, <laughs> like Edmonton beating San Jose, which unless McDavid oh, plays shocking. out of his skin, shocking. then you know, there's only so many minutes that uh, he can play. Um, one of the things that we want to talk about was booing your own team. It's all well and good. A Brad Marchand comes in the building or uh, somebody you don't like from the opposition and you give them a right old good reception um, in the form of booing. Now, you could argue that that's just to try and put them off their game. I'm sure some players thrive off it. Some players hate it. However, it's slightly different if you start booing your own players in your own building, which is exactly what happened to Toronto Maple Leaf Jake Gardner the other night against Colorado. Now, Jake Gardner has had a checkered past with the Leafs fans, and he has made some quite appalling mistakes on some very high-profile games, including Game 7 against Boston, which was arguably one of the worst defensive displays I think I've ever seen from an NHL defenseman, and it cost the Leafs that game. I I struggle when people say it cost them the series because you know you could have done more earlier on in the game for it not to come down to that. Um, there's been a lot of debate amongst Leafs Nation about this and Jake Gardner, who is a UFA, by the way, come July 1st. And the Leafs have said they want to sign him, but probably can't because of their cap situation. There is, Pierre Lebrun wrote um, about, uh, and actually he was reacting to what Jeff O'Neill said on TSN. He said that he agreed with Jeff O'Neill that Jake Gardner is a very good defenseman 
He'd be a highly sought-after July 1st uh, prospect as a UFA. The league is all about puck moving and skating D, and he's all about that, which he is. Sure, he makes mistakes, but he's clearly become a fan's target, and it's over the top. So there are the kind of the hockey brains who possibly aren't fans looking at this and going, he is what the league are trending towards when it comes to D. And then there are the fans who have seen game after game where Jake Gardner coughs up the puck and costs his team the game. I just, I I can't imagine what it would be like. I didn't watch the game because Premier Sports, but like, I can't imagine booing your own player but it I'm was, getting to the point yeah, where I, I, I watched don't... it all, and and uh, the the commentators couldn't ignore the fact that these boos really? were was happening. Really, was it that bad? Yeah, it was obvious, and it was like every time Gardner had the puck, the boos came, and even the commentators said, "What's the point of this? I mean, that's not really going to help the situation, is it? It, it? There's just no point in doing that, and it makes me angry. I've seen this before. I've seen this at yeah. an ice hockey game." in person before mm. where there have been boos for a particular player who's just had a bad run of games. I think it is the most stupidest thing that a fan can do. I mean, yeah, you paid your money. You're maybe a bit disappointed in your team, but Toronto are not tanking it right now. No. Come but, on. But and this you know guy what? is, is a kind of a stalwart in, in the key parts of, um, of Leafs, like you know makeup right now he's been there and been very consistent and and he's he's not necessarily had the best season so far but he's no. not necessarily had the worst and Zaitsev um you know one of his other teammates in defense also didn't have a great game i mean if you take away actually from the individual player and the individual team and just talk about the booing for a second yeah i mean paul have you heard of like even in football for instance situations where fans are being booing their own team player yeah it happens quite a lot in sport doesn't it but i don't mm. know if, it, if, it, if you ever see it happen to one player like that that's, that's a bit like bullying isn't it and you know fans kind of have a job as well their, their job is to support the team so however much you hate someone what, what is the point of, of doing that to them but I think I think part of the frustration, and I think some of the reason why I, I think Jake Gardner's unfortunate that he's the one getting the brunt of this because, and I think that's purely down to the fact that he just makes obvious glaring mistakes, whereas other defensemen for the Leafs anyway will make mistakes, but they're harder to pinpoint on them. But I I actually. I have sympathy with Leafs fans who would get to that point because I think it's more a a dig at the overall, there's an overall frustration that nothing is being done about the Leafs defense and everybody talks about how bad the defense is. And it doesn't matter how many bad games Ron Hainsey has to have. It doesn't matter how many games Nikita Zaitsev has to have. It doesn't matter how many mistakes Jake Gardner makes they do not get dropped. You have got defenders like Justin Hull sitting on the bench and we don't know what he's like. He's played two games this year. Okay, he hasn't looked great in those two, but then he's only played two games. He sat for the rest of them. We have got other defenders in the system and I think this is just getting to a point now in the year when you're like, we're going to make the playoffs. Why aren't we giving some of these kids a chance? Because we've seen what Ron Hainsey can do week in, week out, and we don't like it. We've seen what Zaitsev can do week in, week out, and we don't like it, although Babcock seems to. And we've seen what Jake Gardner is. Jake Gardner would work in a defensive group where he doesn't have to be one of the most defensive 
a defensively responsible defenseman. That's what you want for Jake Gardner. And I think it's the fans saying, why are we seeing this and why is nothing being done? And I think that's the narrative. And it's just unfortunate for Jake because I actually think he sounds like a really nice guy. And after game seven in Boston, he came out and gave one of the most emotional press conferences I've seen. Supposedly, I haven't seen it, but he's done it again after last night. He came out and gave quite an emotional interview. And you feel for the guy. And I'm sure he's going to get paid July 1st. I'm starting to believe it's not going to be in Toronto because I think it's just going to be easier for them to go, I'm sorry, Jake, on you go. And I'm sure he will do very well where he is. So I think actually the booing should more be, it should be less aimed at him and more if you're going to do it at the whole decor, which is letting the team down. That yeah. just sounds like a bit of an excuse, really. If your message is to the whole decor or, or the or the, you know, the, the team and the management for not making the right decisions. It seems like a strange way to, to convey that, to have a go at one player you don't like in particular and just pick on him all game. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I think it is that, though. I think it's the fact that, that you're, you're watching something and you think something's broken and nothing is being done about it and nothing is being said yeah. about it. And it's a kind of like a moment of, hang on a minute, you get kind of a human reaction of throwing your arms in the air and going, why could nobody else see this? Mm. And I think last night was just an accumulation of that where 18,000 Leafs fans all thought that at the same time and decided to vocalise it. You know what? And it wasn't the whole stadium no. booing him, obviously. It's probably like a, maybe about 50 drunk fans in a corner of the freaking arena. I'd be drunk after watching that performance last night. <laughs> I mean, it, that, it was a... It was a um, a bit of an emotional peak in the the game that whole second period really i mean if you if you watch 20 minutes of that game go for the second period and you go from like absolute oh my god we just scored two goals in 1 minute 14 to oh my god how the heck have we just threw all that away again mm. um Bab- when babcock was asked about it which he was which was interesting in the post match i didn't think he would be but he was asked about it he didn't because he, he benched him for for the last 5 minutes of the game yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, so hopefully, and and you could see how annoyed. I mean, the game was that heated that even Austin Matthews mm. let rip on the bench and yeah. just went absolutely mad. And Austin Matthews is such a cold as a cucumber. Yeah, really, all the time. So if he's going mad, then but Babcock was mentioned. Oh, Babcock talked about it in his post match, and he said he first of all defended Jake Gardner and said what a great uh, person he is and what a great character is in the dressing room, which I don't think anyone has any doubt over. But what I found interesting, because Babcock's quite, you know, he's quite happy saying what he thinks, and I'm sure he would quite happily criticise the fans for booing if that's how he felt. He didn't do that. He went straight to the fact of, do you know what? This team is not performing. He moved it away from Jake Gardner, but he made it about the team and said, this team is not performing as well as they should be. We plateaued. The league is getting better and we have plateaued and it's frustrating. And I thought it was interesting. He basically said it wasn't good enough. So I think Jake Gardner, to kind of wrap this up for the Leafs side, I think Jake Gardner's unfortunate that he's the one getting all of this heat because there are many other people who could be guilty of it. But I can't really blame the fans for showing their frustration. Yeah. Well, look, John Tavares was minus four last night. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he's also on track for his highest ever goal scoring. So you can take bad games. That's the thing. I'm not going to carry on about it, but you can take bad games. Players have bad games. There's nothing wrong with that. And you don't need to boo. But then when it happens week in, week out, and the points start disappearing and it won't have helped, I'm pretty sure those boos wouldn't have happened 
if we hadn't have just lost to Boston at the weekend mm. and all of the Leafs fans thinking, here we go again, we are going out in the first round to the Boston Bruins. Well, let's stick with the emotions then. Great. Because we talked about <laughs> temper tantrums My before Jolon has be one. The roof by the end of this. Temper tantrums. Maybe what you need is to have a bit of a Nathan McKinnon moment. Yeah, because I mean, I, I enjoyed this so much. It <laughs> happened at the tail end of last week. And he was obviously mm. not necessarily agreeing with, uh, with what his coach, Jared Bedner, was doing. It was Did about not pulling the goalie. Pull, yeah, yeah. So he wasn't pulling the goalie. They were a goal down against a goal, I think, so two. Against, uh, no, Calgary. Calgary. Amazing game. Two incredible teams. Mm. Uh, I, I actually watched it. I had a day off and I watched that game, which I very rarely watch a game that isn't involved the Leafs just because I don't have time. But I was sat down and watched it. It was brilliant. But yeah, I mean, come on. Don't do that. The moment he's just, he's really getting, you know, having a little rant, isn't he? And you see him mouthing, do your job. Um, and uh, he, he almost falls backwards off the bench. Oh, he did. He proper fell back. Which then, uh, yeah, he did. He did. I mean, it's, I mean, I put, I put on Twitter, it was like, uh, you know, when you, someone just goes mad and then they stomp out the room and they slam the door and the door comes back open and then you have to go back and like close it again that kind of embarrassing <laughs> moment when you're kind of in the heat of the moment then um i mean obviously since he's he's come out and it, it was straight away jared bedner didn't react at all um to what was very public and afterwards uh when mckinnon watched himself back uh, of the loop of it going around on TV, he just described himself, um, what was it, as like an idiot screaming. And they've since cleared the air and it is all fine. But it certainly kind of raised a, a bit of an issue because this has come around for us on this podcast many times about um, the display of emotion and how we have um, kind of really either sat on the fence or teetered either way of should players, should coaches um, show emotion or should they remain very professional? I mean, the, some of these people are role models as kids watching. It's a family sport. Um, you know, you, a parent wouldn't want their kids reacting like that in public to them. So why is a professional athlete behaving that way? Um, he's obviously apologized so that at least clears it that way. Um, but I mean, it's entertaining. That's what I thought. What were you thinking, Paul? Uh, it probably wasn't that big a deal. I mean, you know, I, I just found it funny. I'm, I'm all for players falling off the bench in ice hockey. I think we have that every game. <laughs> they should employ someone. They're just getting their pull. leg over, you know, when they, they come try, off the they ice. They employ someone to try and pull the benches away to see how many you can get. You know, all I did was laugh. It's not great, is it? It's not a good look for your team. And so, you know, great that he's apologised, but... Well, Bedner called it, he said that he respected his fire, passion and emotion. And that's the thing, because we want our players to be really into the game and passionate about what they're doing. We don't want them to just kind of be like, oh, well, never mind, not to be. But it was funny we'll because he was time. so angry. That, that's, what, that's what made it funny, you know? Those, those times when someone gets really angry and then, you know, something goes wrong. I remember um, when Pellegrini was at Man City, I asked him a question once when they just lost at, at Spurs. He got so angry at me, he, he stormed off down the corridor. But unfortunately, he went the wrong way. And he <laughs> so his, his media person had to scurry after him, get him to turn around. And then he had to go back past us kind of sheepishly and still refused to answer any questions. What, what did you ask him? No. ironically I asked him do you ever get angry <laughs> brilliant <laughs> which made him really angry but 
Like, it's moments it's moments like that it tests you as a human being isn't it as to how you react because i think you can tell a lot yeah, by people yeah. everyone gets angry everyone does stupid things and falls over and all that kind of stuff it's how you can react in that moment there mm. as to what kind of human being you are and i think i you know colorado did an absolute brilliant job of just you know sweeping this under carpet enough but acknowledging that it happened mm. both coming out both saying they were wrong tempers heated blah 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 all this kind of stuff and everyone's moved on. They played I'm, it well. I'm pretty sure that that dressing room was been playing that video on loop to Nathan McKinnon, <laughs> I would imagine, day in, day out. <laughs> Incidents as well. So uh, the other talking point that I kind of threw in the mix um, was the Bobrovsky Yeah, this incident. is weird. So I, if you're kind of just getting up to speed with this, um, during a game uh, against Tampa, um, Columbus Blue Jackets played Tampa, he got pulled uh, because the team were down 4-0. Um, and then apparently somewhere between them leaving the arena and getting on the plane to go back, there was an incident, but it wasn't released of what was said or mm. who to or anything like that. Um, and then the next thing we know, he is not going to practice and he's out against the game um, with Nashville. Um, and then there's a statement that's kind of put out, uh, you know, that they've got these uh, certain expectations of players uh, that define their culture. And they kind of say this incident has happened with Sergei and therefore... Um, he won't be with the team in tonight's game. It's an internal matter and that's that. So everyone was like, is it a suspension? Is it not a suspension? All the journalists who were writing articles were like, how on earth do we top line this? Um, and then people kind of point the finger at John Tortorella, you know, who we've spoken <laughs> very about level-headed many level-headed individual, I hear. Very, very level-headed. <laughs> um, and John Tortorella has previously said about uh, Bobrovsky that he's never going to be considered the best goaltender in this league until he does well in the playoffs. Yeah. So there's previously been tension um, between these two. And Bobrovsky, uh, his contract is up at the end of this year. So he's been with Columbus, what, is it six years, I think? Something like that, yeah. Six years, he's, he's penned in UFA. And apparently the talks between management and his agent have not necessarily been moving forward. The rumour is that he wants 10 million... Uh, dollars for uh, several years and he's looking at people like um carrie price he wants to be carrie price he wants to be a league leader in in goaltending yeah. when it comes to his contract so i kind of went and thought this is interesting so his current contract right is 7.425 million dollars right and it also has a no move clause so he kind of has a lot more control over where he's going to end up anyway um, people are kind of saying, is he going to go back to the Philadelphia Flyers, who we spent uh, a little bit of time there? They obviously need a goalie. Um, St. Louis Blues has been uh, pointed out as well because they haven't had um, a lot of consistency, but they haven't got a lot of cap space. Um, and then when you look at the top three goalies right now, so we mentioned Carey Price. His contract is to 2026, 10 mm-hmm. mil. Oh. Henrik Lundqvist is 2021, 8.5 mil. And then Bobrovsky... Um, is number three. So, you know, it, a lot of people are saying if Columbus Blue Jackets don't make the playoffs or they get past the first round, um, what, will, what will be of Bobrovsky? Um, he's just, he, 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 I just don't understand how he thinks and maybe he'll prove us all wrong by getting that contract, but I just don't understand how a goaltender who's got no playoff experience is going to get $10 million a year. 
Like, it's not working in Montreal. Have you seen them? Mm. Like, Carey Price has not been Carey Price. And he's just started that 10 million eight-year contract that everyone's now looking at. And he is Carey Price. Bobrovsky is good one year, bad the next. Good one year, bad the next. I just don't understand where he's going to get it. I'm sure there are many, many teams who would love to have Sergei Bobrovsky in their team. Would they be willing to put $10 million down for someone like that now? I just, I just can't see it. Philadelphia won't because Carter Hart's going to come through in a few years, so they're going to look for a stopgap. I just, I just don't get it. Whereas, you know, Paul, you've got, you've got Martin Jones sitting there on a nice kind of 5.75 million signed mm. until the end of time. You know, <laughs> I mean, is someone like Bobrovsky going to give you any more than someone like a Martin Jones or a Freddie Anderson? No, Martin Jones is a much better goaltender, surely. I mean, <laughs> I'm slightly biased, but but he just is, isn't he? I mean, he's got yeah. he's got playoff experience for a start. So yeah, I mean, that that seems like quite a lot of money. They've got a fin there. Let let, let him do it. Let Corpus Allo take it on. He's he's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> they've got they've obviously got some issues in Columbus because they're a kind of a they're a team that are, are legit contenders this year, and yet Bobrovsky's likely to go, and also Panarin is all has also said he doesn't want to stay, or at least he wants to take it to July first and go as a free agent, and that would be a huge loss to them. So there's a kind of a difficulty really for them as to what they do. Do they call these guys out and try and get rid of them and move them and get something back, or do they go full out this year? But as you said, Claire, these teams or that team hasn't got playoff experience. How do you expect to get $10 million? And maybe that's why these kind of incidents happen because the pressure is there. You know, the, he needs to, do it? I mean, he needs ten, to perform. Who's got $10 million of cap space that they can just go, wow, we need a goalie. Like if you're, if you're talking about, a, you know, a 5 million, 4 million, 6 million, even then you're talking like, then the list of teams is endless who would take him. But I just don't see how, there is room in the salary cap for a goalie earning 10 million and has ever, I mean, as Carey Price, I kind of feel bad picking on Carey Price because he's so injury prone, but he's a Montreal Canadian. So I kind of feel okay about picking on him, but I, I just can't see Carey Price giving them the $10 million difference. Like that extra five, maybe $4 million they are paying him over the next group of top end goaltenders is he really worth that and i would then put robroski in the same way i don't know what you think paul on that no i don't really think he's good enough he's one of azina isn't he or, or possibly yeah, two i, I can't two, remember I it was a while, but, but that was a while ago i think yeah. i'm pretty sure he's the one who was in net for um for russia when the finns beat him Oh, okay. Possibly a world championship. Oh, I'd have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure he was. And they, they put like five past him. So that, that's my biggest memory of, of <laughs> So basically, he's not great internationally <laughs> or playoff. <laughs> no, I don't. Well, you know, how, how, can you, how can you judge him if he's not really ever had, had a chance to do it in the playoffs? So yeah. That's a lot of money. No. I just, don't know where, I just don't know where he'll fit. I mean, there's been talk of him going to New York, uh, some of the New York teams and the Islanders. Philly, might, Philly is a good shout. They're not going to do it. Carter Hart's been too good. He's coming in like, yeah. they've rushed him in. There's this kind of, if you don't know about him, he's this prospect, because I don't expect you to know the Philadelphia Flyers goalie depth. But they <laughs> um, have uh, this guy called Carter Hart, who's this prospect who has done 
great things all the way through his career. And they've really kind of said that he is going to be the Philadelphia Flyers goaltender in the future. They've kind of rushed him through a little bit this year just because of the dreadful injury luck they've had. Um, But he's played a couple of games. They've sent him down again now, quite rightly. But he looks great. And so Philly are probably looking for a two-year goalie. They're looking for somebody to keep them going for the next couple of years. Mm. And you ain't signing Bobrovsky for 10 million. Well, just picking up on the, the Philly situation, that, that's something, um, some tweets here, a selection of tweets that we got from, yeah. from Rob, actually, who replied to this particular question on our, our Twitter page uh, at NHL Fans From Afar. He's put here, um, Vegas Golden Knights re-upped Fleury to a pretty high-value deal for a guy who's 34, but when you consider what he means to the franchise and community, as a personality, it makes sense. New York Rangers and Montreal locked in their number one goaltenders for a long time and for a lot of money on the basis that they were elite goalies, cornerstone goalies. Price has had some injury troubles, which has curved performance, but again, you can see the logic behind the deal. As a different example, Chicago walked away from Namey despite winning a cup with him because the arbitration number didn't make sense and they had Crawford in the pipe to take over the reins. And then you have the Philadelphia example where a franchise desperate for a reliable starter went all in on, I forget how you say his name, Brisgilov. Is that how you say it? Yeah, I don't know. And then they dumped him because they set the bar too high. So it's going to be, I think that could be an interesting contract um, to watch how that unfolds. Yeah. I mean, take Mark andre Fleury, for example. I mean, he is at Vegas, as you, as you mentioned, and signed probably a few, well, he's signing late into his career. But he's on a $7 million contract from next year. That is in a team in Vegas who could pay Fleury whatever they wanted. They had a blank checkbook, a blank cap hit. Like, they could pay him whatever they wanted. Flurry knew that, so Flurry obviously aimed high and is probably being paid more there than he would have got anywhere else just because of the unique situation that they were in. And he is at $7 million. Bobrovsky's looking for $3 million, $3 million more than that. Not a chance. Mm. Or does he go to Seattle? Well, Hang on, just chuck that one in. Although he's a year <laughs> out. He'd need to find a home for next year, wouldn't he? Just a bit of um, news that I've just noticed on um, Twitter, Paul. Uh, San Jose Sharks GM Doug Wilson has announced the club's recalled centre Dylan Gambrell uh, from San Jose Barracuda. Okay. Um, any reason why have you got someone out at the moment that they'll be covering? Uh, possibly. That would be fourth line. So, um, yeah, I think they've, they've been kind of struggling to find a solution for the fourth line centre for a while. So maybe it's just his turn. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't notice there was an injury at all, but could be, I could just have missed that. Well, you know, a bit of depth. Everyone loves a bit of depth. Yeah. You, know, you can't, you know, maybe it's now you kind of taken things uh, in your stride. You've got room to do a few little tests and tricks before you get into your playoff run. I hope so. <laughs> Paul, thank you very much for joining us. We know you've got to go off and uh, write an article about Petr Cech and his retirement back in uh, back over this side of the Atlantic. So thank you very much for joining us. No and, problem. Thank you. Pleasure. And enjoy uh, Team Finland uh, next year as well. You'll be oh, counting down the days now, won't you? I really will. Mick Arantanen, come on. And hey, we'll get you on. Uh, we'll get you on the podcast when it's uh, Leafs versus Sharks in the Stanley Cup final this year. Eh? <laughs> Uh, dream on <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah okay maybe next year you'll win it then instead <laughs> cheers Paul thank you very much okay well I really enjoyed hearing about uh, 
all the Finnish connections to the NHL? Yeah, so I'm I'm going to the the World Championships. I always get them wrong. I can't. I can never remember which one it is, but it's the World Championships in Slovakia, isn't it? I think. Yes. This upcoming That's year. Different. Yeah. yeah. So coming up there, and it's really exciting. Just thinking about all of these different teams and okay there might be the odd kind of younger nhl player there if your team's out of the playoffs um but it's just gonna be really exciting seeing all these different countries play in hockey and seeing some of those players who one day might then go on to make the nhl i mean i've really enjoyed reading articles um say that there was one that i read about patrick line and uh when they did the global series over in helsinki earlier this um season yeah um, one of the athletic reporters went over and drove to the place where he grew up mm. and Patrick Liney had kind of almost signposted a few places for him to go and <laughs> people for him to talk to. And it's a really great in-depth article that kind of goes to the heart of why it matters so much mm. um, to, you know, have these from such a small country, these players on such a global scale and where their humble beginnings start. You know, Patrick Liney's tiny little rink in some back road of a tiny village. Yeah. And this this reporter is kind of driving out there, um, you know, to go and see what it's all like. It's, it's really fascinating. And just the stuff that the NHL put out on, um, I think Jets TV is really good. And they put some really good features. So I went onto YouTube and you just get to go and watch. They're doing all these behind the scenes of kind of meet the players. Um, some really good films that even we can watch over this side of the pond. And um, speaking of really good films, actually, thanks to Abby, who uh, reminded me of that amazing Brent Burns video mm. um, that San Jose Sharks did um, of you get to go and see his ranch because you know that he's got this Texas ranch with all these it. animals and everything. And yeah. it's like, if he wasn't going to be an ice hockey player, then he would uh, basically, I think be a zookeeper. <laughs> it's incredible. But I love stuff, watching stuff like that. When you step away from the game and you've had a crap week as a fan, you need to absorb that stuff and remember why you love it. There was a, just on that note of weird kind of little places in, in countries that have harvested kind of amazing hockey talent. Um, Paul Inholm of the Leafs, um, and I'm desperately trying to remember who the other player was and which game it was, and I can't for life me remember. I don't think it was Boston. Who did they play? New Jersey, wasn't it? They played before that. Might be a New Jersey player. Anyway, I can't remember. But um, there's this incredible uh, fact that they brought up on the broadcast that Paul Lindholm and this other guy who's playing for um, New Jersey was from this tiny little village in Sweden called Kusmark, right? And the population of Kusmark is something like 441 people. Wow. Two of them are in the NHL right now. And they knew it, obviously knew each other because they're probably neighbours. But there's this tiny little place in Sweden. (laughs) And these two players who are both playing in the NHL. I just thought that was really, really cool. And uh, yeah, it just reminded me when you were saying that. I'll try and remember what the other player is, but yeah, yeah, I think he was New Jersey. Oh, I love this. You know, if you've got stories and and, um, little fascinating uh, tidbits of knowledge that you've just kind of accumulated over the years, then do make sure that you get in contact with us. And we are still looking um, for people to come on this podcast as as guests as well. Uh, The email, the way that you can kind of send us more chunkier information uh, is nhlfans.com from afar at gmail.com and we've obviously um, got the twitter uh, open as well where you can connect to us individually or as part of the nhl um fans from afar 
uh, network. Just a, a little teaser, actually, of so, something that's coming up next week. All right. It? So I've had a pretty bad week this week. It's been uh, miserable viewing as a Leafs fan. And yeah. uh, what are you going to make me look forward to with next week? New feature is going to be on this podcast. Oh, I'm bringing right. it back, which I used to do on a previous ice hockey podcast. It is yeah. Man Crush of the Week, <laughs> right? right? Okay. And you don't have to choose someone from your team. You just get That's to choose good. anybody in the league. They don't have to be the best goal scorer. They don't have to be the one with the most points. They don't mm-hmm. have to be the one with the most saves. They could have just done something that you thought, that is pretty darn cool. And then okay. you nominate who they are and a bit about why they, you think they are worthy of being your man crush of the week. So, for example, like a couple of weeks ago when Sidney Crosby signed a stick and gave it to a fan for great chirping while he was in the penalty box. Absolutely. Things like that. Yeah? And mine probably would have been Nathan McKinnon almost falling off the bench. <laughs> Nathan McKinnon's water bottle. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to introduce this um, next week. So okay. we'll give it a proper sign-off and we'll let you get in contact with us to do that. And what amazingly, amazingly you know, I hope that they don't pull out after they listen to this episode and realize how much we actually really are Leafs fans. Oh, you're kidding me. We've been asking for this for months. You've been asking for this. Boston Bruins fan is on next week. We're looking forward to that. But The only good thing about that is we now don't play Boston, or the Maple Leafs don't play Boston until the playoffs, which is seemingly like what is going to happen. But I actually don't know how I'm going to... I Yeah, I don't know how. I mean, I'm sure the person's very nice and I'll get on with them as a fellow human being. <laughs> but I, as a, as a new generation Leafs fan, which is how I describe myself as only being young kind of Uber, is what you would call yourself. Uber, Uber <laughs> fan of the last kind of five, six years, the Boston Bruins are, for me, they are the kind of bitter rival because of the 2013 and last year in the playoffs. Well, let's hope when we're recording next Tuesday that you're not in such a grump as you've been today. Yeah. Like, I don't know who we're playing, but let's hope that Babcock has sorted them out and is, uh, yeah, it could be a fun one next week. So if you're looking over Twitter and you see that the Leafs have uh, gone on a bit of a losing streak, <laughs> then feel sorry for me next Tuesday when I come to record this podcast. Mm. Either way, have a cracking week, whatever you're up to. And don't forget, make sure you hit subscribe or follow and leave us that review and rate us if you're listening on Apple Podcasts especially. See you later.